The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. The one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. Hello there. Uh, thanks for downloading the Old Gold Club podcast. We'll get you to the podcast in a minute. Just a reminder that we are doing a live show at the Wolverhampton Grand Theatre. It's Friday, June the 7th. Tickets very competitively priced. Just start at just £10. Uh, apparently, it's going to be you know at a time in the summer when, uh, as our boss says, people are just itching for football. Just desperate to be there. And that's what we are going to deliver. <laughs> Apparently so. Um, what time's that? It's uh, going to start around about 8 o'clock, I think. It's a little bit late, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit late? I don't think so. It's a proper <laughs> Friday night out this. Friday, June the 7th. Yeah, afterwards, yeah. Where can people get their tickets from? Yeah, the grandtheatre.co.uk. So, uh, yeah, go spend. Come and see us. It's going to be a great night. So hello there and uh, welcome to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Alongside me is Crystal Wellamo. You all right? Morning. Yeah, um, right. It, we've got uh, Sylvani Banks Blake is here as well. Hello, Good Sylv. morning. Um, we'll get to you in a second, no, no, my no, friend. No, Don't no, you worry. No, no, no. <laughs> well, so, I want him. I want him to sing his song. It's a good song. One of the best ones. Is <laughs> is a tremendous song. Um, just a, a few bits of housekeeping to get through uh, before we kind of get into Sylvan, who's with us. Um, it's obviously been a big couple of weeks for us doing the old Gold Club. Our Mick McCarthy episode went out a couple of weeks ago, and just the response has been incredible. So thank you very much for everyone who's got in contact. Um, Christopher Graham Hawley has been in touch, said, just discovered the podcast and they are tremendous. Dono and Ned, both brilliant, talking about the times I fondly remember. Sheffield Wednesday penalties, Arsenal semi in brackets. And my favourite goal is still Ned's diving header against Leicester. Keep up the great work. He says, Paul Lloyd says, just watched Mick McCarthy. Loved every bit of the conversation. Also find it interesting listening to all the stories from all the others. Keep up the excellent work, guys. Thank you very much for those. Um, Lots of people have been sending us uh, some random questions for Looms. This is something we started a couple of weeks Weeks ago, when someone wanted some um, restaurant tips from Mr. Wellamo, because they know that he likes to go out a lot. Um, so, uh, Owen Cotton, uh, Cowton, apologies, Owen, if I'm saying that wrong, says, Has Looms ever bought food from one of the burger stands outside of a ground before a game? I have actually, yeah. I'm not a fan of that kind of food, to be fair. Not a fan of burgers? No, not, I'm not a. Just like, burger van burgers. I have, I have actually bought it. Yeah, I've, I've got to say, when I've uh, went and watched the match not working, I've, I've, I've entertained the. the, the, the <laughs> you burger. say this like it's such a bad thing. It is onions, onions of course. Yeah, cheese. It works. If you're going to do it, do it properly. Well, I, I mean, there's a there's a question coming up about condiments in a minute. But what okay. would be your condiment of choice on a burger? Yeah, probably cheese. Yeah, sauce. See, I'm, see, I'm, a, I'm strange with sauce. I, I, I can't put sauce on something. I have to put it to the, to the side because yeah. Can Sylvan's face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can come in anytime you want. So, Sylvan's yeah. face looking at us going like, what, what have you got me cheese, in here for? Cheese, cheese and bacon, and then I'd have sauce on the side that I'd dip in. But sometimes I, I knew there would be bacon involved. Yeah, yeah, you're not a fan of bacon, are you? Definitely not a fan of bacon. I'm not a bacon I was either. with uh, with a good friend yesterday, and yeah, that's one of his requirements: no bacon ever. No bacon. But. Um, because the fan cast have been in touch and right there, smacking your glass against yeah. the thing. Um, he said they basically just said sauces, fridge or cupboard, or oh, fridge all day. Yeah, you don't, don't put, keep it in the cupboard, mate. Who's that? What's his name? That was from the fan cast. So it's done, sort it out. 
But like, if it if it's not in the fridge or the chilled section at the supermarket, why'd you put it in the fridge? <laughs> what sauce are we talking about here? I'm talking about ketchup, brown yeah. sauce, ketchup, mayo, meal, brown sauce, barbecue, in the fridge, in the fridge, yeah, one hundred percent, yeah, all of them in the fridge, all of them, yes. every single one of them. Yeah. Are you serious, Mark? <laughs> Makey. Mikey just has them just left out in the, on the what top. Because you have the lid open as well, do you? No. With the spoon in it. No, ketchup goes in the fridge. I'll admit that. Right. I'll accept yeah, that. Yeah. Why? But barbecue, just because I like it cold. Right. But barbecue well, sauce. Josh is shaking his head at you at the back here just now. What are we talking about? <laughs> you, you, you come out with all these this arguments. The There's no justification whatsoever. So you put ketchup in the fridge? Yeah, because I like but, it cold. That's so my what, justification. What sausage don't you put in the fridge? Barbecue sauce. You don't like that cold then? No. Why? I don't. I don't. Mate, have a look at yourself. <laughs> what is this? What have you got to talk about? It's fancast. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if it's cold when, when you put it on your food. Does ketchup taste cold when you put it on your food? <laughs> it tastes cold if it's when cold. It comes out yeah. I don't, I don't I mean, know. I it's cold it. taste. I put it on a plate. I've never thought about it. Oh, this ketchup's cold. <laughs> you don't. You don't think about it, do you? Yeah, but like, so for instance, if you're out at a place and they give you a sachet of ketchup that's been on a table, that's not cold. Like, that's out, isn't it? That's not been in the fridge. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Really, like I say, I feel like Sylvan's coming around to my side now. I don't think he agrees with you. I'll be honest. Okay. Um, Retro Wolves says, uh, bringing it back to a more football topic, what's the weirdest thing that you've seen a manager do to try and motivate the team? Says you've played for a few different managers, so you should have a few tales. What's the weirdest thing that you've seen a manager do to try and motivate a team? Uh, Gudjon Thordeson, right? This is, he'd come in and this, every week he would, he would go to us and he'd, he'd take his watch off, right? And he'd go... And he'd sit it so that he could see it. So he'd rest it so the head was just up like this. And he'd say, it's a simple game, boys. He says, cuts, you give the ball to Biarni, he gives the ball... And basically he just went through a scenario. I mean, and you cross it, and uh, what did he call me? God, Biggins... Begins, goal. It's a simple game. <laughs> don't don't complicate it. That was it. Well, what's the watch got to do with that? I think because he wanted to time himself. <laughs> and, that, and that little speech. Then he put his watch on. Good luck, guys. <laughs> Look out. And this was every week. But he'd use different people. So if I wasn't playing and it was Cookie or Peter Thorne up top. And Thorny, goal. It's a simple game. I thought, what the... What's going on? To be fair, it was uh, got the boys together, gave us a little chuckle on me. Out and, I don't understand why he's got promoted under him as well. This. That's just I don't weird. Know That's what they've done. He'd take his watch off, sit it so he could see the face, and then he would talk, not looking at his watch, mind you, and then put it back on. Good luck, boys. See, Silv, I mean, you played obviously for Mick, but you also played for Ian Holloway yeah. at Plymouth, so he must have done some weird stuff to motivate you. It's difficult to remember some of the You don't stories. remember a lot, do you? I don't remember a lot, no. But Ian Holloway was, uh, he was mad. But there was a method to his madness, and he was a massive motivator of, uh, of players. To be fair to him, I can't remember any stories that stick out. But he was a massive motivator of players. If we were on the coach, he'd be on the mic in the dressing room, be dancing about. It just he was a massive motivator. Do you do you think that that so I, do you think that's needed from a manager? I think players should motivate themselves. You know, like yeah. we've all been in the dressing room, and there's the players that you know what they're going to say, what they're going to shout week in week out. Yeah. You were one that was quite quiet. Yeah. Similar to myself, yeah. I'd keep the head down. You know what your jobs you're going to do. If you spoke, then people will think, oh, yeah. what? what yeah. You, you know what I mean? And that's, 
Um, I, I played the point. Yeah, I, I was different because I could motivate myself. Like I, so, I sort of could go within myself and find it. But in a dressing room full of, I don't know, 15, 20 players, there's always going to be one person that needs the manager's words. So if that's going to help that one player, yeah. I think it makes sense. You look at Manchester United now, the difference between Mourinho and Solskjaer motivating the same amount of players. So I think it does have an effect at times. Um, but for me personally, I didn't I didn't need that. But um, if it helps one or two players in the team, I think it's, it's worthwhile. Because we talk about um, self-motivation. Yeah. Because this is something that's come up before and... Might be a touch awkward with this, but obviously you know what I'm going to bring up here because I've told you about this. So you, Looms, have said in the past that Sil didn't talk to you. Is it coming from me here? I'm not coming from you. No, you said that Sil didn't talk to you until he was ahead of you in goals. <laughs> that is absolutely... I'm just saying what you let, said. Let me put it out there, right? And this is, and I've, I've spoken about this a couple of times, right? So yeah. there was a period, it was the Sheffield United... We both scored on the night. I think I got two, you got one. Yeah. So the three weeks before that and the two weeks after it, we never spoke off the pitch. We never spoke. There was times... And you know what? I've always used it as a as a positive in your mindset and your character, as in... you had like, I've played with, I played with a lot of strikers, yeah. like Leon Knight, Jamie Curitan. Yeah. Jamie Curitan would go in a mood because he, he never scored goals in training. Yeah. You were very similar like that. You had that yeah. mindset. You needed to score. You wanted to score... If Wolves had won a game and you hadn't scored, you don't feel that you'd done your job, and that and that and that, yeah, that yeah. is that is I understand that. But there was a period I remember. I remember I sat in the training in the dressing room at the training ground. I was on my own, on my phone. You walked in. You 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 were only three spaces down. You came in, sat, got your bits ready. We had never even said morning, never even said hello. Yeah. And I've I've not I've not said it back. So I'm sitting there. Yeah. yeah. And then it was, and I remember saying to Henry, I went, uh, I went, what's that? It's like weird, isn't it? But on the pitch, we would talk. It would be, we'd be, we'd, you'd take a hit for me, I'd take a hit for you. Assist, we'd score goals. We were on fire. Yeah. And it's one of these, and that's and that, when I tell that story, and I've told it on, 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 on a few. Well, it's on our very first podcast. Yeah, and it's it's something that I say that's that was something instilled in you that you needed to be the man you wanted to be the best you needed that drive and it's not a, I've never yeah. used it as a negative but yeah, no, parts of that no no parts of that I agree with parts of that I agree with I was quite one track minded but that was the whole goal thing was not a thing for me like not speaking to someone because they were ahead of me on goals that's like far from my mentality I go back to myself at that age like 21 22 I didn't really talk to a lot of people to be honest like in terms of like making small talks, if I, if I didn't know what, how to talk, because we were our age gap was different. Like there were a lot of lads we were a similar age group and maybe had more in common, and then there were some lads that were maybe a bit older. I just wasn't like I wasn't a big talker like in general, but banter and stuff like that, yeah. yeah. But like I wouldn't just go in and make small talk, small talk, small talk. So like when I think to my mentality back then, like the person I am now, I talk more express myself more and open up a bit more. But back then I was a bit more, I don't know, I was just more one-track-minded in like, well, my friends are my friends and it was, it was, yeah. it was, it was, so I, I was never, just I, a different mentality. Yeah, man. I never seen it as a, as an yeah, arrogance. Yeah, it wasn't, it you wasn't, know what I mean? it was, uh, even Mick was saying it was even after that period and I think we were playing at Watford away and they kept on asking you to drop in. Yeah. But I kept on dropping in because yeah. like you say, you were the goal scorer, I, I wanted yeah. us. I was in the mindset, if we won, 
Yeah, I was yeah, happy. Course, yeah. I never needed to score. Yeah. And I remember saying to, to the gaffer, I went, no, gaffer, I've got this. And he says, you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to have a heart attack, big man. I says, <laughs> I says he went, tell that lazy so I went, no, no, you're all right, you're all right. But we went out and won the game, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but yeah, it was just one yeah, of those, yeah. I, I knew, i never seen it as an arrogance, I knew man. how important you were yeah. to the whole the whole machine, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird thinking back, man, because it's like, when I think back, I was such a different person to like now. You know that when you're in the mode, like I was on a mission to go to the top. So like there were certain times, or cert- my mentality was just very different with different yeah. people. And uh, to think back, it's hard sometimes to like click back into that mode. But looking back, at, like reflecting on it, we all got on well at different times in different periods. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, did we go out and have dinner after? Probably not. But yeah. I just, I honestly put that down to we're at different stages of our lives, do you know what I mean? Oh, cool. It was like, I, like, that, yeah. I, I'd, I'd, like, I don't even think I had my son yet. No. I think he was just being born, like maybe you had kids already, you'd played professionally. I'm still on a mission here. Do you know, I, I don't know, it was just... Well, is that the thing? It's like, it's part of the drive. It's that, you know, your focus is on that. Because you yeah. didn't do media at the time either. I no, barely I, was like, you. I didn't never really to like to do, do media too much, really. Um, didn't really like to talk unless I really, really had to. Um, loads of which is like weird that. though because a lot of strikers like, yeah. a lot of strikers you know because you're the ones who score the goals you always get asked to do the interviews yeah. like a lot of strikers would be yeah put me in front of the cameras I want to be yeah, of course. the big guy but you never did that no I was just like just judge me on what I do on the pitch kind of thing I didn't yeah. want anyone to know about my personal life too much like I just wanted judge me as this person here and then no one really knows this other side of me do you know what I mean that was my football persona and then as I've got older, you sort of bring it all together and just present yourself. You, you and said, that was it. You said yeah. there, like, you're on a mission, right? So, you know when other strikers and that are brought in? Because Keane's touched on it, saying, like, yeah. strikers aren't usually friends. You know what I mean? You're, yeah, you're yeah. still close with Andy Keel. This, yeah. You had a great relationship the season before I came in. That was on yeah. the pitch and off the pitch, I guess. Yeah. Similar ages. But it is competition. It is competition. fighting for that, that spot. There was Sam Vokes. There was myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even, even Wardy at the start yeah, yeah. also went to yeah. fullback but you still you had a relationship yeah, yeah. competition's competition so yeah. how did you how did you guess react to that competition like you're saying there you're on a drive you're yeah, on yeah. a mission that, I was, these, um, these players are I was cool with it because I started my career at Manchester United and they used to bring in strikers from all over the world all the time and and these are all age groups yeah. so as you're going up the age groups you're always competing with the best strikers at that age group so for me, I was I was sort of like born into that. So that was never a problem with me. I just always felt like pride yourself on scoring goals, work hard at scoring goals, and you'll play. And that was back then. That was the thing for me. Like if I was coming into football now, I couldn't get away with that as much because you got to do a bit more. But coming through, I was like, as long as I score goals, I've got to play. And that was my whole mentality. And I wasn't worried about competition or things like that. Like when when you come in, Fletch, Doyler, any of the lads come in, it was ne- there was no I had no I speak to some of them lads still now. Yeah. I seen Fletch recently and whatever, like there was never I don't ever think there was any problems within the striking units that come through Wolves at any point I was there. So you don't think it there's there's an importance to have a relationship off the pitch for it to be to work no, on the I pitch? No, I don't I don't know. Sometimes the best relationships work when you don't get on. Or yeah. you don't speak off the pitch. Yeah. I say don't get on. I mean, like, you maybe just don't socialise off the pitch. Yeah. No, like, we had a great squad. Yeah. And when we all went away as a team or done anything as a team, it was unbelievable. Yeah. But did we all call each other up and go for dinner? Every- like, it just no. doesn't work like that in yeah. any industry. Yeah. That doesn't mean you can't, as a unit, 
be good and when you need to be good yeah. and be successful because we were successful yeah. and uh, and I look back at that time and it was unbelievable and all I think about is good times good atmosphere good dressing room no bad eggs no bad everyone has their moments don't they but like, the energy was it was, it was brilliant because I've been in dressing room since and it's not been the same because squads squads need different types don't they of course they do. You know, I think that's it. I think <clears throat> what Solf said there, it was a it was a very good group. We kind of governed ourselves. I don't think Mick had to come in and no. there wasn't a bad egg because we would no. we, we would we would kind of source that out ourselves and deal with it. Yeah. We had some big characters, like you say, some quiet ones when they spoke. You know, like Jody Craddock as well. Yeah. He kind of led by example. There was experience of like all different age groups. Carl Henry, you know how opinionated he is. Yeah. Well, I was you know going to say like with with a dressing room that had some of those people in. You kind of need some people to be a bit quiet, don't you? Yeah, yeah, of course. I guess so. But get if, like you say, like Saul said, he he done his talking on the pitch, uh, and I think that's that's probably the the only way it can go. I I've only ever used what I said as a positive of a mindset for someone that has that drive. Like I talk very highly of the, the likes of Leon Knight and Jamie Curran. and I've had strikers that they, they, that's what they do. They score goals. That's how they they want everyone to remember them scoring goals. Yeah. They they were angry, annoyed. Troy Deeney, I remember scored two goals at, at, at Leeds, beat them two 0 Troy made two assists. The face on him after the match, we'd won two 0 He was devastated. He was and he he said he said oh good on the goals mate. I'm but I'm gutted. But that's the drive. That's why he's doing what he's yeah. doing today, isn't it? That's yeah. you want to be. You want to be the score goal scorer. You want to be picking up the points. You want to be the. You know what I mean? It's, it is about the team winning, but of course you you've got your own objectives and targets to reach as well. It's good. It's a fascinating discussion, and again, it's weird that we got to that um, from a question about so should sources be in a fridge or a cupboard. <laughs> that's what I like about it's this good podcast. Conversation, isn't it? That's what I like about this podcast. Um, keep those random things coming. Old Gold Club at Wolves.co.uk. Random questions for looms or any particular topics that you'd like us to discuss on this part of the podcast. We are at Wolves across social media as well. And while if you're on Twitter, at WV Build Supplies is the account for our sponsor, Wolverhampton Building Supplies, who you're going to hear from next. And then it's the show. Wolverhampton Building Supplies is your one-stop shop for all building and DIY products. And now they're giving listeners of the Old Gold Club an extra 10% off of the already low prices. It doesn't matter if you're a professional builder or just looking to put up a shelf at home. Just tell them in store that you listen to the Old Gold Club and you'll get an even better price in store. So check them out online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk then head to their yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or give them a call on 01902 500 140. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Alongside me, as ever, is Chris Awellamo. Our guest this week spent five years at Molyneux between 2008 and 2013, making nearly 200 appearances and scoring 64 goals to leave him joint 24th on the all-time list. Welcome to the Old Gold Club, Sylvan Augustus Evans-Blake. Oh, he's gone for the full day. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I love it, man. Um, and I love the fact that we're able to reunite this promotion-winning strike force. Prolific promotion-winning strike force. What a partnership you are. 
Yeah, we've done all right. We've done all right. Well, you did more than all right. Never, you've got, uh, when I first came in, I think, uh, <coughs> obviously we spoke to Mick a couple of weeks ago, and he, the, the, the loyalty he showed to, to you and Keo, Plymouth away, remember that? Yeah. And I remember I, I got a couple of goals against Accrington, and then he put us together, and that was it. Just It just clicked, you know, we kicked on, we, we bullied teams, we... We we went we went in with the mentality I think just that we'd score more goals than whoever we're up against. If they scored three, we'd score four. It was just we were a confident bunch. We played an expansive game. Obviously, we've got Jarvo and Kites. You got Jonah and, and Henry. You know what I mean? You look at the you look at the quality there, ticking all boxes now. The technical ability of the players, Kites with the goals that he brought as well. You know it was, and I guess that partnership. You know I think we touched on it before about not. Talking and, and being in that social circle off the pitch, but on the pitch it was it was very much uh, a relationship that was uh, yeah, it was like uh, a sixth sense. Yeah, it it just worked. Um, I don't think we necessarily worked at it. It just clicked yeah. and kept clicking, and we scored goals and it worked. And sometimes that's how it goes, you know. And um, that's exactly how it was with with me and Limbs. Well, I mean, at the time, you were scoring goals for fun. I mean, you were. Um, by the time you arrived, you were firing in goals at Plymouth. That's the yeah. reason why Wolves triggered contract clause to get you. I mean, yeah. when you think back to that period, because it, it's remarkable, and I say, it's only when I didn't realise it was a contract clause, because when you look at it and go, one and a half million quid, just yeah. does not seem enough for a player of your quality at that time. Well, at that time, it was quite a bit of money, to be fair. <laughs> I think they brought uh, Freddie Eastwood for, this, for a similar fee. Um, but I had I had a clause in my contract at Plymouth, and um, and yeah, Wolves triggered it. I came down and uh, signed, and it was you know the best thing I did. Can I ask you then? So you say about you've spoke about the drive and <clears throat> wanting to make it to the top. Plymouth, you knew it was a stepping stone yeah. as a player. You know, you go there, you deliver, you score the goals. That that opportunity is going to come when Wolves come knocking. What what what's 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 coming to your head? What what is the attraction there? Obviously, the size of the club. Did you know much about the club, the history of the club, or you just knew it was a big club where 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 the fan base? Yeah, it's got? I, I didn't know a massive amount about the club. I knew it was a big football club. Obviously, everyone has, has heard of Wolverhampton yeah. Wanderers. I think for me, um, I got the call say on the, the Wednesday or the Thursday. I came down and I met Mick here at the stadium. Um, we came down to the stadium and. Um, stepped out towards the pitch out of the tunnel and into the stadium and I remember thinking this is the arena I want to play in and that was it for me like there was nothing more to be spoken about Uh, signed the contract I think I I pretty much stayed down and played that Saturday because you I mean it was actually a defeat wasn't it that first game yeah it was it's Crystal Palace there must have been a part of you even after that thinking actually what what have I come to (laughs) I mean it was uh, I signed on the say the Thursday um, played the Saturday, obviously travelling down from Plymouth, stayed in the hotel. And then we've played Crystal Palace at home, I think, and um, Scowcroft has scored a hat-trick, I believe. I had a good chance as well. Uh, about six yards out, head, I'm not best with my head. <laughs> and, uh, sort of, I thought it was a half chance, but looking back, it was a decent opportunity on my debut to score. And um, anyway, we got beat 3-0. On uh, Monday, uh, we watched a video with Mick, as you do, going through the video and, and, you know, Mick doesn't mince his words. <laughs> so we've gone through the video. And obviously at that time, the strikers at the club were not struggling, but 
you know, they weren't getting what they needed out of the strikers, which is why they brought me in. So uh, we went through the video, went through the mistakes of the goal and then my opportunity come up and he's gone, same old story with the strikers. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, if I was any less of a character than I was, I could have folded at that minute and that could have been the exactly. end of my Wolves career. you've been here four but, um, days. I'd been here, like literally, travelled from Plymouth, which is in the, the middle of nowhere, the bottom of the world. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, I'm in a hotel for a couple of nights making my debut with new lads. Um, but it's brilliant, brilliant. Well, on, on that as well, you know how important it is to get the, the first the first goal. No yeah. matter where you go, you want to open your account. Uh, you said there, Mick, he doesn't mince his words. No. Other players could have probably reacted, yeah. put more pressure on himself. Next game, you go out, you, you open your account. Yeah. You know, like how much, how can I say it? It's like... Uh, the pressure, how much how much did you put on yourself to go and get that goal? You know, I think once you got it, the rest is history really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think Dave Edwards, we signed around the same time. Yeah. Uh, he slipped me through. I think he scummed four poor way and yeah. I scored. I never really put a lot of pressure on myself to open my account because I'd come in from scoring goals at Plymouth. I felt like I was on a run of goals for the season anyway, which yep. always helps. But you always want to start by scoring at a new club. So to score in the second game helped. But um, no, I didn't put too too much pressure on myself. You know? Well, it's that thing, isn't it? Because it was then a goal and assist in the third game, Sheffield Wednesday at home. And then you have a little kind of few games. And then all of a sudden in that March, seven in seven, it's like, bang, here I am. Yeah, I'm the main guy here. It was just... Um, just an unbelievable run, really. Everything just dropped for me. It went perfectly well for me. We had a good team, um, good players, and um, I just I just excelled, and it was uh, it was a great time. Would you say the strikers as a collective then, <clears throat> like you say, knew that the pressure was on them? So you're, it's, it's more than just luck. Obviously, you know what the qualities yeah. that you bring. You know that, yeah, you you do have the ability. I felt myself, I never had the ability to score goals out of nothing. Yeah. But you were one of those players. And, you know, there's, I've been blessed that I've had some partners that, yeah. that are just magical, that they can create something from nothing. But that, that month of March, seven and seven, you know, the, the other strikers, could you, could you feel that there was an atmosphere that it was a bit more relaxed. They were obviously contributing as well, maybe not getting the goals that you're getting, but you definitely became the the the, the main man. Yeah, definitely. We we, we we had a good push after that. Yeah. And I think we just missed out on the playoffs by goal difference, I think, in the end. Something like that. And um, it sort of lifted the place. Um, and luckily for me, I was scoring the goals, but it did lift the place. I remember when I signed... Um, I was outside the mount and uh, signed for the same amount of money as Freddie Eastwood. And a lot of the fans were saying, you know, we hope you can do better than him. So I did feel the pressure straight away that it was like, it was on me to, to take the burden and score goals yeah. straight away. But um, I didn't react to it. I kind of just went out, always had that belief in scoring goals. That was one thing about me that I just always believe I'd score goals. If I was given a chance, I'd score goals. One out of two, especially at that level. I'd, I had that confidence already. Um, but I had that from a from a younger kid, um, so yeah, I, I had no doubt that I'd come and, and score goals. Would there be much dialogue with you? You know, I, myself, I'd always speak with the players that were putting the service into me, saying this is what I want, this is what I need. But yourself, like you had about everything. You know what I mean? The mm. ball would stick. You could play in behind. You could run in behind. You know, so 
did you have dialogue with certain players that that was basically direct into you? Would you would you talk with them? And like you say, you were a quiet player. Yeah, you did know how to motivate yourself. Yeah, but still, all strikers need good service. So course, is yeah. that is that a pressure that you're thinking? You know what? I need it like this. I want it like this. The demands you put on others. I think that's something that we had. We had good characters that yeah. if things weren't going our way, people would say, right, like Henry, right, come in here, you're doing this. No matter what Mick had said, right, doing this is this is what we need to get back into the match. And I felt that we would be we all had that yeah. kind of football knowledge that we would come together. So what would what what did you put what demands did you put onto the other players? I'd always tell them where I preferred the ball. And and most of the time with sort of like Kites, Java and players like that, they're just good players. You knew Kites wanted to come and link it more. You know Java wanted to dart and get the ball in the box. So I sort of read that quite early. Yeah. I'm always sort of looking at the qualities of the wingers and definitely the midfielders because I know they're the three people that can supply me my goals. Um but generally, the only message I would say is when you get into the when you get into the byline or when you get in wide, just put it across the back of the defenders. That's where I want to be yep. because if I'm not getting there, it's an own goal. There's a spill out, yep. the keeper's part. That was that was the only request for me because that's the area I love to be in. Because um, it's that goals. thing, isn't it? It's like um, to borrow a term from Francis Jeffers back in the day. It's fox in the box. Yeah. Penalty area poacher. I never scored a goal. King of the, the tapping. <laughs> never scored a goal outside the box in my whole career to date. But did you just not shoot? I mean, what was it? <laughs> I just stayed in the box. That, that uh, link the play, get in the box, and I prided myself on being in the right place in the box at the right time. It wasn't like it wasn't uh, by luck. It wasn't by luck. As a kid, I used to do this. I used to go in early. Me and Paul McShane used to go in early. He would be kicking lumps out of me and we'd, I'd work on holding the ball up. Then I'd work on getting in the box. I'd watch certain videos and certain things of just areas the ball would go in when the ball's at the byline, it would normally end up at the back. or You know, there's just little things I'd read uh, in the box. And um, I just prided myself on being in the right place in the box at the right time. Because I was going to say, how much of it is coached and how much of it is just kind of natural instinct I think partly coached but a lot of it's natural instinct you have to be able to it's like you have to be able to smell it you have to be able to see it react to it first and um you can smell a goal (laughs) not literally (laughs) (laughs) but But I I love that though yeah it's like it's it's a sixth sense like you you've got to believe the ball's going to drop there and you're going to get there first and normally, if you look at a lot of goals, the ball drops in the similar area, the same areas, and has done for years. So just be in those places, near post, far post, middle of the goal. And more than not, you'll, you'll be in the right place and score goals. So I was watching back um, a video online the other day of kind of uh, most of your Wolves goals. And, I mean, there are some tremendous tap-ins in there. Yeah. But there was, like, the thing that really stands out is kind of the, I don't know whether it's a, a physical thing of the kind of low centre of gravity, the ability to hold somebody off and spin. Yeah. And there were so many of those where you've kind of just got someone there and it's such a quick turn and shot that it yeah. takes the keeper by surprise. Yeah. I like to do things one and two touch. I didn't really like to dribble, take loads of touches and things like that. I sort of wanted to just bring it in, bring someone else into play, spin, get in the box, one and two touch around the box and get my shot off early. I used to do that in training all the time, all the time. And, um, yeah. Is that why it was harder in the Premier League, though? Because defenders maybe treated you differently in that? 
Or there was less balls in the box. Yeah, I think defenders are definitely smarter in the Premier League, I found that. It was less frantic, less intense, but um, they're definitely smarter. So if you're making a run for the defender and then a run for yourself, they've already read that. They've not even moved on your first run. Do you know what I mean? Like Defenders, they're much more switched on. We had less of the ball. We created less chances. So the onus on the chance that you got was you had to score it. Um, So it, it it was a lot more difficult. Um, to score goals in the, in the Premier League. See, my, obviously being I went out on loan, I broke my foot, so I missed I missed a lot of that season. But looking at it from the outside, I think bringing in bringing in Doyler as well. Yeah. I, I felt Doyler was better on his own. He was yeah. a, he was a, he was a soul, and like you see, we never had a lot of the ball. So more often than not, Doyler would be up top. If you were going to come in at other positions, it was it was difficult for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And chances don't come. Thick and far between. It's like. Uh, and it's, it goes on the importance of if you get a regular run of games and you score a couple of goals, it it can go a completely different way yeah. for a striker. And I don't feel that it, you got a fair crack at the whip. Of course, injuries play a part in yeah. it as well. Yeah. And for a striker, you need to play games. You can't get twenty minutes here, come off the bench there. You need a run of games, no matter no matter who you are. You might be lucky if you come off the bench. Like you say, Voxie probably did the promotion season when he came off. He was an impact player yeah, more so then and he would, he would more often not get get the, the important goal that was needed. But we were we were we were different we were different kind of players than that and I just felt that I guess the relationship, you know, Doyle had done it so well on his own and I and I paid and I, I I didn't I didn't think he was he was good with any of the other strikers, whereas the likes you would come in and go with a, a Fletch, a Keo, or that worked better because there was an understanding, whereas I think Doyle had done the, the loan role perfectly, which was better suited to the Premier League for Wolves because yeah. they weren't seeing a lot of the ball. They were gonna have to put five men in the middle and, and it, it was more defensive and nullifying the threat of the opponents. But yeah. again, it's as a striker, it's it's not what you want to hear. But Doyle's come in and he was probably better suited to that role. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Doyle was quality. He worked his socks off, um, but he was definitely more suited to the to the role up by himself yeah. because he could sort of marshal that, you know, front third of the pitch by himself, and he was comfortable doing that. Um, so it was difficult for me to get a lot of minutes when we're not seeing as much as the ball of the ball. And, you know, the onus is on us to just stay in the league more, you know, lose more games than we win, but stay in the league. And that was kind of the thing when you sort of go up the levels is that you're going to win less games. But ultimately, if you stay up, that's the target. Can I ask ask you then, just you said there about obviously Doyle was better suited in that role. Did that make you at any time? Because you knew we all want to play football. The hardest thing is being on the bench and not being involved. You don't feel part part of the group. So was there any part of you then that thought, you know what? I'm gonna try and change my game a little bit because I want. You've obviously had that chat with the gaffer. Yeah. You went and said, "Look, I can do that role. I can yeah. be up there, top of my own." Because you just want to get the minutes. You want to play. Of course you do. So yeah. was there any part of you that thought, "Right, okay," because look, Guardiola's come in at City and said Aguero's not working hard enough. He's still yeah. scoring. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And he's still cha- he's changed his game. He has, yeah, he has yeah. changed. No matter who he was. So Sylvain Ebanks Blake wants to play in the Premier League because you know what? You you can score goals at any level. Yeah. Did you think then I need to change? I need to think about my my my, my style of play here. I can't be that player that can float in and out of matches. I've got to be that player that can. Because I seen it. I, I did when you when you did get the opportunity, you did work your socks off. Yeah. And just the chances never came because in yeah. the Premier League, it's 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 a lot harder. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I think especially the second season, 
uh, that summer, I, I said to myself, I need to be fitter. I need to be sharper. I think summers before that, and people that know me, is like, <laughs> yeah. once, <laughs> I don't, once the season's finished, pre-season's for getting fit. That was my mentality. It worked for me for so long. And as you go up the levels, you just can't get away with it. Mm. Um, so when we got promoted, I went away on my holidays as a two, come back, get fit for pre-season, and then play. But naturally, we're going up another level. It doesn't work like that. And I pulled my hamstring, I think, in the first yeah, game. Yeah, you missed four of the first five missed, games. You know, so it's a slow start already. And then that season sort of just petered out for me. So then that summer, the next summer, you know, consciously, I worked harder to come back in better, better condition with a better mentality. And I started that season really well. I think I scored seven goals in the first 14 games, something like that. And... Um, I was well on my way to scoring 10 goals that season, getting into double figures. I remember it. And then um, I'd done my medial. I think it was Akin Fenmore against Northampton, something like that. And that just slowed me down again. And I never reached that target. And um, and then pretty much since that point, I didn't really play that regularly in the Premier League. Because uh, how did you cope with that? Because up until that promotion, you know, the goals that you'd been scoring... Uh, for Wolves and for Plymouth and everything and everything's going right and you know you're yeah. constantly being that man you're the man that got Wolves promoted with that goal against QPR and, and the 25 in the season and and then all of a sudden the claim's not there the the goals aren't going in yeah. and you're injured a lot as well Yeah. how do you cope with that? It's difficult it's difficult it's probably you know the most difficult period um, in my career when I was playing less games um, at a club that I loved being at with lads that I got on with and I wanted to play I wanted to contribute I wanted to score so it definitely was, was difficult but I had to sort of change my role that I was going to play less maybe come off the bench I had to be ready I had to be prepared I had to support the other lads and, and I, I felt like I did that because um, if I didn't Mick wouldn't have kept me around the place and um, there was no there was no time in my Wolves career where I was asked to go out on loan or there was an option to go out on loan. That was never going to happen. So that's because I just had to support the other lads and they were good lads as well. We had yeah. a good set of lads. It was it would have been very difficult for me to be a bad egg amongst good lads. Like it, I would have been out of character, massively out of character. There was no bad lads. They were all, you know, they were all good lads. So I supported them, supported Doyle, Fletch and all the other lads and just wanted to win games, stay in the Premier League and contribute where I could. So that was a conscious, that was a conscious decision by you then. So like you obviously, you're injured. First and foremost, you want to get yourself fit. You want yeah. to get yourself back in the group. But then you knew, all right, I'm, I'm going to miss this period of time. How can I influence the group? In other ways, and that's that was was that a conscious decision by yourself? Yeah, definitely. I thought. Cause I think that's I, yeah. I think that's quite hard. I see players you yeah. don't see them. They yeah, no, of course, they yeah, they do. Yeah, they they can't come in. They don't like. For me, it was hard just watching you guys go out and train. Yeah, you know what I mean. But still, there was good people around you. It was a good group that it yeah. did give you a bit of sanity. I think for me, it was the environment. Like to come into Wolves training, you remember what it was like. The environment was 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 good. Like the staff, the players. It was a good environment to come into. You didn't yeah. feel like you didn't want to come in. There was no days I woke up and thought, I don't fancy coming in today, even though I'm not playing. Or I always wanted to come in. And, um, yeah, I just had to consciously just understand that I've got to work harder in training. I've got to do... Because, like, I never used to work that hard in training. I yeah. used to think training was just, like, you know, sharpen your tools a little bit. You don't need to be 
tear arsing all around the place. And um but then I had to I had to understand that you have to work harder in training in order to get into the team. So like I had to change that mentality because before I would train how I trained and because I was scoring, I, I was pretty confident I'd be in the team on a Saturday where that whole mentality shift happened for me where I had to work harder in training in order to get into the first team. And Mick had to explain that to me, you know, sometimes week in, week out. Like, I need to see you on the training ground working hard so that I can select you on a Saturday, you know? Um, so that was a difficult transition, but I, I tried to, to get my head around it. Because what was your relationship like with Mick and how did you feel when he went? Because, I mean, he when he was in the other week, he was very honest and he, he told a story of um, in the first probably couple of weeks that you were at the club that because um, he, he mentioned Taff, Ian Evans, who was his assistant yeah, yeah. before Terry Connor, tough, yeah. where he said that... Um, he said that he looked around and Taff looked at him and Taff came up to him during a game and went, don't even think about it. And he said, what? And he said, it's nil-nil. And he said, I know what you're thinking. He said, but don't take him off because he's going to get a goal. Like, there's no one better on the bench. And Mick had to learn to trust you in that respect that you would deliver for him. And, he, you know, he, he sat here, didn't he? And he said, you were the best player he had in that time because you always delivered for him. Yeah, it just it just worked. It just worked. He was probably the best character for me because he stayed on me. Like I, I probably needed that. I needed someone to keep staying on me when I thought, nah, I'm, I'm fine. Leave, leave me <laughs> to get on with my own thing and I'll, and I'll score goals. He'd keep staying on me and staying on me, and it just, it worked. It worked unbelievably well. And Mick was, uh, Mick was brilliant for me. Because you also though scored goals. I mean, we go to the the championship season of the relegation yeah you actually still scored goals under Stoller you were scoring yeah. goals under Dean Saunders yeah 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 it was um, at that level especially championship level I, I sort of felt like I would score goals at that level no matter what even though I'd had three seasons of stop start injuries not really scoring as soon as we, we, we were in the championship I felt like Play me regularly in the championship and I'll score 25 goals. That was my mentality, even though I'd not played in that league for, for three seasons. I'll ask you then, right? So relegation, end the season, you go away. Was it the, the new self mentality or the old self mentality? As in, because you, you, you're tried and tested at the championship level. Yeah. You score goals, you use pre-season to get fit. Or did you think, you know what, I'm going to go away, I'm going to do a little bit extra of this and then come back and... What yeah, you say, I, think, I think after the... After the being in the Premier League, my mentality shifted, yeah. and I, I, I grew up. I was what three years older. Then? Yeah, I was three years older, and um, I was devastated when Mick got sacked. Yeah, like a lot of lads were. I was as well, and I went up to see him, and we had a chat, and um, I was devastated to be honest with you. But Wolves was it was just my football club. I was so loyal to this club. I wasn't looking to go anywhere else. It was never even on my mind. I was just focused on getting this club back into the Premier League and we can have a really good season next season if we bring in a few players and a few a few go and, and whatnot and we can get it right again and that was my mentality and um, it wasn't really smooth to be honest with you uh, under Solbach and I didn't I didn't play it was stop start I was on the bench yeah. and, and all types of stuff because Bjorn Sigurdarsson had come in at that yeah, point yeah, as well yeah. and things were a little bit different because um, just before we kind of we're getting towards the end of our Facebook and YouTube show um Dean Saunders 
you know, is not a popular man from a supporter's <laughs> point of view. And that period is not a popular time of, I know, yeah, of, of thing. Yeah. Yet, there is an element to it where when you look back through, there is a period where you score four in six mm-hmm. and it, the team looks like there is potential shoots of recovery in there. And then you get injured at Blues. Yeah. And I wondered back, if you, when you look at it, if you hadn't got injured... Do you think the team might have survived? I think there was a good chance we could have. I felt like I was in good form. Goals win games. We were starting to pick up points. And um, I think there was a general feeling that we would we, we had a great chance to stay up if I had stayed fit. And I'm not so, sort of someone who likes to blow my own trumpet, but at that time I was scoring goals and we were winning games and, and we, the form had picked up. And... Um, to lose a striker who's on that run of form in any team is always going to be a blow. And I think at that point it was a, it was a massive blow for us at the time. Because do you hold any ill feeling towards Paul Robinson for that tackle? I don't, I don't. But um, I just thought it was an unnecessary tackle. I thought it was a fan's tackle. It was like a, I'd scored a couple of goals, we were beating Blues. It was unnecessary. Um, it wasn't in a threatening place in the pitch. It was... You know, it, it was just an unnecessary tackle. And um, I don't really know Paul Robinson. A lot of people say he's a nice guy off the pitch and all this type of stuff, but um, I don't really get that. I don't really get that. You're either, nice, you're either a nice guy or you're not. I don't, I don't really get that. Well, you're a hard man or you're not. Because you'd, um, you'd won, including the Blues game, it was four wins out of five. And then after you got injured, there was only one win in the next six. Yeah. And that's effectively what sent the team down. Yeah. Yeah, it's goals. I, I was I was in a rich vein of form, and, and and like I said, goals win games. So at that time, I was scoring freely. We were starting to win games, and it just sort of lifts the whole team. And I think if you lose your goal scorer in any team, um, it deflates the team a bit. And especially at that time, where the, the team was a bit fragile, um, just trying to stay in the championship, which is ridiculous. We'd just come down from the Premier League, um, but. It was a it was a difficult period. Would you say in that group there was there was leaders? You know, like because it was a good group. The the, the team that got promoted, we've already touched on it. That we would address certain things in matches depending on how it was going. I think more football today's turned more like robots. Yeah, players just do what they get told. No matter if it's working or it's successful, they just carry on doing it because that's what the man. So that team that went down, even though they you know. Most of that squad will know exactly what the championship's about, no matter who's 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 managing. Could the players then not think, you know what? He said this, we're doing this, or not? Is that I'm, I just because it's I'm just I'm talking about squads that I've been in, yeah, dressing rooms that I've been in, matches that I've not seen the ball and that someone's went, we're doing this, no matter yeah. what's getting said, and then you get a foothold in the match and you and you go on and, and you get the result. Of course, yeah. there's been little moments there that I felt. The, the manager set you up in a certain way that a lot of the players didn't agree with. Yeah, yeah, it was. I think especially with with, with Solback and he set us up to sort of be a counter-attacking team and I felt like we were a front foot team. Like we, we'd just come from Mick McCarthy, which is high energy, high press, yeah. you know, and, and take the game to them to now we're just sitting back and waiting to pounce. And a lot of the lads didn't agree with that and it didn't work ultimately. Um... And we we had some big characters, but I think there was just it was just disjointed. So if one person said, "Right, we're doing this," 
there might be two or three other people saying, no, let's play this way. Yeah. Or let's do, and, and that was what sort of went throughout the team. And if you look at the team then, that season especially, it was just disjointed in so many ways. Um, and it was it was a shame really, because we had a good squad, we had some good players, but I think sometimes it's hard to shift the mentality from losing games to now having the pressure of winning more games. Um, and what it was in the Premier League is was lose more games than you win but stay up yeah. and in the Championship we have to win more games because we're expected to be competing yeah. for playoffs and get back up and to, the, the shift of mentality never really happened in that squad and ultimately we went down which is you know the worst case scenario we're going to come back to this on our podcast extra which you can download from all the usual places um, just before we finish we have to reference uh, that moment that goal against QPR a moment that will live in a lot of people's memories for getting the team back up and there was one thing that I noticed um, when I was watching this back the other day that I didn't really recognise at the time because you were coming back from injury at that point where yeah, you'd been yeah. struggling for a little bit and um, it's the fact that Andy Keogh does an immense amount of work to win that ball yeah. and pull it back and you scored and you ran past him. Did I? You, well, did he? Yeah, you ran past him. I to remember someone coming for me for doing the exact same thing. <laughs> I'm so, oh, I, I could I'm sure not believe this. I'm I know gonna, it was a big gonna, moment. You know what? I'm going to put it down to an out-of-body experience because <laughs> we had some night after that. Don't you worry about that. I don't think Keogh brought a drink. <laughs> He's not brought one since. <laughs> it's a special thing there, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an unbelievable moment. You could feel the tension in the stadium. All the flags were out and it was the moment. And it had to be the moment. You know, you couldn't send them home without knowing we were back in the Premier League. And I'd not played a lot of football at all. I think I played 60 minutes that game. And um, Keogh's just, you know, unbelievable. He just just wouldn't give up any lost causes and you knew that I knew that so I was always when the ball was going it was going I was thinking he's going to get there, he's going to get there so I was, I was just positioned ready and um, and he got there and that, that's what he does and um, some of that goes unmissed really yeah. but the level of respect I've got for Keogh and what he'd done especially that day but what he'd done in his whole Wolves time yeah. he's unbelievable like I credit him with a lot of things do you know what I mean but that goal and that moment I credit Keogh with that massive, massively just to finish then can you sum up your feelings from when the fans are rushing the pitch and you've done it and you're in the Premier League it was like it was just unbelievable unbelievable feeling but it was a, for me it was like an expectant feeling it was like now we're here like this is what I've wanted for so long in my mind anyway so it was like I'd prepared myself mentally for this moment already. So it wasn't so much of a surprise. It was like, now we're here, now that now the real pressure's on to perform at this level. I was already thinking about the next season. I wasn't getting too carried away with, this is going to be the best moment in my career because at that age, you think that you're going to go on to win loads of things and play at the top level for ages, but it doesn't work like that. That turned out to be you know, my only winning medal, really. Um, but you don't think like that at that age. But um, I just remember thinking, we're here, we've arrived, we're going to enjoy it, but get ready for the kind of get ready for this next season kind of thing. Enjoy your summer, and then the pressure's on again. Um, so I didn't truly enjoy it the way I should have, um, which is which is crazy, really. And it's only now when I look back and reflect on it that I'm able to enjoy the moments because at that time I didn't bask in it too much, yeah. um, and I wish I did really. The old goal club. Power. 
powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. For the best price locally, head to wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk. So let's just finish off where we were and then we'll get on to it, all right? Stop looking at me like that. Okay. All right, boss. <laughs> <laughs> He's the governor. So that was the show. On with the podcast. Um, we will explain what's going on in just a minute because um, I'm going to make sure we leave that little bit in there. I like you calling me boss and governor. Um, so anyway, let's uh, let's finish off from some of the things that we just need to get back to. Um, just on the the whole thing you were talking about, Solar Solback and, and Dean Saunders, because it's one thing that actually quite a lot of fans have contacted us about. And Carl Henry spoke a lot about this, and George Adakobi a little bit, though for him it was more difficult because he wasn't always at the club. It's it's the fascination really of of just what happened. Why did it go so badly wrong from the two relegation? I think they brought Sol back in to bring in like a different style of play, a different culture, a different sort of European mentality to the football club. And um, it just didn't work. It didn't work. There was too many players that didn't really buy into it. I don't think Sol knew the championship, knew what it was about, knew the ferocity of it. He was a good manager at Copenhagen, but it's, it's very different. Um, the championship from top to bottom is competitive. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the toughest leagues even to this day. And um, it just didn't work. It didn't work. The team changed quite a bit. Uh, we didn't train hard enough. And that's me saying that. <laughs> we didn't. He wouldn't allow us to train hard. Um, you know, and there's some lads in that squad that, you know, Dave Edwards, players like that, they want to train hard. Carl Henry, players like that, they want to train hard. They want to get a blow in training. They want to have a, a little game and get ready for the Saturday. We'd do boxes some days and go in bit of possession and go in. There was very few times that we were able to play 7v7 and hit the back of the net against the goalkeeper, which you know you need. You need like I need that. And the players didn't get that. Yeah. Um, and then what you saw on the pitch was a reflection of what was going on sort of behind the scenes eventually. How important is it that that man in charge has the respect of the dressing room? You know, like we, we talk about Mick McCarthy. There's, there's things that I remember. It was all sitting in the dressing room. And there's we're on our, on our phones and talking and bit bit weary. Silence. You see the phones getting put away. And you just sit. He walks in whistling or whatever. Into the, the urinals, doing his bit. Comes back, speaks to a few players, takes them out. So back in, even Saunders. There's management that you got to manage the group. Mm-hmm. You're not their friends, but you you need to have the respect of the group as well. I think Solbach and came to English football, not a fan, and was vocally saying, I'm not a fan of English football, straight away. He, he's lost me, straight away. He's yeah. in the Championship, it's the most competitive of league in the world, the second most watched league in the world today. You know what I mean? A manager coming in needs to know what it's about, and if he doesn't have experience, and there's a lot of, like Daniel Farker, and a lot of, a lot of managers have came that, that have no knowledge, but they learn very quickly what it's yeah. about, and they've got to understand, TC came in and said himself, he said, we need to go and look at this team and that team and that team. He was like, no, no, we're going to do it our way. And you have, to, you, have to, yeah. you, have to, you have to give your life up to it, don't you? Yeah. I think with um, some of the managers you mentioned there, they'll keep certain uh, staff around that understand the league or they'll, they'll be staff within the grounds that understand the league. But going back then, which is probably like, I don't know, six, seven years ago uh, with Solbakken, no one knew him. And that was kind of unknown back then, really. It wasn't really the done thing. 
bringing in a manager at that level who no one really knew, like us as players. I'm not sure TC knew who Solbakken was before they brought him in. Mm. And then he kind of kept TC around, but reluctantly. And you could sort of sense that. And TC was a massive part of some of the players that were still there. Of course. He was a, a great coach for us. Like, he helped a lot of us get to the top level of football. The amount of respect I have for TC is through the roof. And that's that goes for the dressing room of lads that were around when TC was. And Mick was in charge. And then um, you could feel that sense of, like, TC's here, but they've restricted his role. And he was deflated himself. Um, and we saw that as players. And I just think they got it wrong behind the scenes massively. OK, um, I'm going to put across the opposite side. I'm not having to go at you, but it's just the fact that you're here. Um, if you, from a, a fan's point of view, you fans will look at it and go, doesn't matter who the manager was, should you lot as players have not just bought into what he was telling you and sort and and bought into that vision? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Because Carl said the same thing, that you yeah, know, look, it, that it, didn't suit the players. But it's horses for courses, I think. It's horses for courses. So it's like you're asking players that that can't play that way to play that way. Mm-hmm. So immediately as a manager, you're, 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 it's poor management, isn't it? Um, because you're asking players that you've probably not watched play that much, you don't know a great deal about, and um, you're asking them to do a job that, that doesn't quite suit them. And you see top-level players, you see Kante being asked to do a job he's not familiar with, and he's not performing at the same level. So for us in the Championship at that time, bring in players that can do the job that you want them to do. If that's what you want to do as a football club, then bring in players that can play your style of football. I, on that, I'd, I'd even say even it's a it's a process that you come in, you know the strengths of what you got, you work with that, and then you try and implement your style bit by bit. You know what I mean? If the player can't do it, find out if he can do it or not, but it's, it's a slow process. You know, these players experience success in the championship, a lot of that squad, they know what it took and all of a sudden they're getting told that's not what that's not what's wanted. You know, and that's that's a hard thing. And these are these are these are good players that have been there, tried and tested, had success, all of a sudden the manager comes in and says, I want you to do this. So So was the group to together too long? Was there too many players who'd been there for too long in their careers that needed a change because Mick was very honest when he came in and he you know he said look when it, when the time came for him to leave he accepted he'd had five and a half really good years mm-hmm. and but it was time for a change do you think players get to that frame of mind as well no i don't i don't think so i don't see, I, know, I know Mick said that so i can't go against his words but had Mick been in charge when we were in the championship i think he could still have been in charge of the football club for years to come I genuinely believe that. And he might have felt that it was his time. But when I look back on it, was it the right decision to sack him at that point? Um, I think the season before, we had less points total at, at, at that stage of the season. So we might have still gone down. But who better than Mick for at least the first half of the season in the Championship to re-motivate players that he knows and understands at that level? That's my opinion. Yeah, I think on that one, I think it's it's... The player, it's surplus to requirements, really. They, if they want to play, if they can be influential, come on, if they're still making an impact. But that's down to a player. I know there's situations where the club wants to move a player on because of that very fact the man, he's not in the manager's plans. 
I've seen some good players get moved on that you think we can still bring a lot on a Saturday but again for whatever reasons if it's financial there's a reason that the player has to move on so yeah I agree with Sylv but I think there is a time where a player thinks you know what I had, I had 18 clubs I wasn't a bad character I just wanted to play if I wasn't going to play that's the reason why I left Wolves probably the, my, one of my biggest regrets I, I told you the story I went to Mick yeah. I wanted to play more he said no it's, it's it'll be the same I want you to go out and play. It's a short career. You want to play yeah. as much as you can. Because um, you ended up leaving after the second relegation. Your contract yeah. was up and you were injured anyway yeah. as well. Yeah. Is there a part of you that kind of felt like maybe the club should have offered you something to yeah. hang around? Yeah, I do. I do. At that, at that stage, obviously, you know, I was earning decent money at the time. The club probably wanted to make a, a, a change as well. Um, I'd had a bad injury, so there was there was a number of factors, but they didn't even offer me half the money, a quarter of the money. They don't know. I, I probably would have taken it, but that was never an option um, because I, I loved my time at Wolves, and I, I wouldn't have left unless I was sort of pushed out the door, uh, or I wasn't offered a new contract, which is what happened at that time. Because I had I had offers to leave in that season in the January, and um, it wasn't an option. It wasn't an option. My whole mentality was we can stay in this league and we can kick on again. It's a great dressing room, great lads. Still young. You know, I could have, I would have been a one, a one club man if, I, if I had my own way. Um, but it doesn't always work like that. And I, you know, I had a bad injury at the wrong time, and sort of everything fell into place where it was time for me to leave. Really, because your record for Wolves, I was telling Looms this earlier, worked it out. I'm pretty sure it's um, 51 goals in 101 appearances for Wolves in the Championship, mm. which is one in two. Yeah. That is unreal. Yeah. No, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I, it's hard to put it into words, really. Um, it just went unbelievably well. It went unbelievably well. It was almost like a blur looking back at it now. That period, it just went really well. Um, and there were ups and downs within that. But especially in the Championship, both sides of the Premier League. And even in the Premier League, there were, there were brilliant spells in the Premier League. Even when I wasn't playing, us staying up last days of the season, things like that. Great moments, great times. Um, but in terms of, of the goal scoring, it was just... It just it just clicked, it worked. And in training and in games, I'd like to pride myself on if I had two or three chances in a game, I'd take one. And normally I'd, I'd try and score one within two chances. That was how, that's the pressure I like to put on myself, especially at the championship. I remember my mentality then yeah. was, give me two chances and I'll score one. And generally, especially at championship level, that was... I didn't miss many chances. Would you would you say that goal return was expected from you, or, or would would you say you surpassed like expectation there? You said that when you got promoted, you kind of you weren't really blown away. It was like you expected to get promoted. You yeah. knew that you would get there at some point. Yeah. So, but that goal return it's, it is outstanding. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, has that surpassed how well you thought it would go? In yeah, your own definitely. Mind? Yeah, definitely. Um, there's no way I could have set out saying this is how it's going to go and this is how you know. Yeah, but you have a good, you have belief yeah. in yourself. Yeah, you always do. But that that return um, was unbelievable. Really, I think the first season I didn't feel that much pressure 
at all when I when I signed for Wolves. I, I was doing well at Plymouth. I come in, it sort of carried on, and I ended up winning the Golden Boot that year. The second season, I felt it like I had to deliver again, and um, but it just clicked again, and um, and I scored a load of goals and 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 and, and won the Golden Boot again. <laughs> it was uh, just unbelievable two seasons, really. So here's my question then, so why has it not worked anywhere else since? Injury. Injury. Um, when I got injured at Birmingham, looking back now, that was the beginning of the end of my career, to be honest. Um, because I broke my leg, but which I'd done before. And I would have been back from a broken leg in four months. But I tore the cartilage in my ankle. So I've actually got no cartilage in my ankle. So my body didn't react the same. So where you said I had low sense of gravity, I could turn, I could get my shots off quickly. That all changed for me, which is a massive part of my game. Yeah. And um, I was out, for, I ended up being out for a year. Done my rehab at Wolves and stuff like that and went to, uh, ended up at Ipswich. And I just wasn't the same player. And I found it, I didn't accept it at that point. It took me probably three clubs. I think I was at Ipswich, Preston and then Chesterfield before I realised that I'm not the same player my body's not the same it doesn't react the same and um, I'm never going to reach the heights that I reached before and it became really difficult it became really difficult not playing as consistently getting injuries hamstring injuries because my body is not functioning in the same way and um, you keep going you keep going you keep going but at some point you have to look at yourself and say I'm, I'm just not the same player so being known as a goal scorer, sharp in the box and things like that. I always want to be known as that. But I just wasn't as sharp. I couldn't I couldn't spin as quickly. I couldn't get my shots off as quickly. All the things that made me a good goal scorer at Wolves, I didn't have anymore. And that was that was quite hard to accept actually. Um thank you for being honest. Yeah. On that as well, by the way. And I, I love the fact now that um you effectively have gone back to playing football for fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was a decision of that was a decision of mine. Um, could I have nicked contracts here and there across the country and and travelled a bit? Um, so you went to probably, Belgium, didn't you? Yeah, I went to Belgium, trial. trained over there. Um, I probably could still be doing that, but it's not true to who I am. Uh, if you know, for those that truly know me, it's not true to who I am. Like I have to be enjoying myself. I have to enjoy the environment I'm in. Um, I don't want to be a negative influence on anyone. I don't want my my demeanour or my to rub off on anyone in the wrong way. Um, I want to be able to compete, like genuinely compete, and I want to enjoy myself. And uh, I had to make a decision probably about a year ago or so that I don't I don't want to be travelling around the country not enjoying football, not really playing, and um, knowing that. I'm getting out of the car or I'm staying over and my body's not quite right and it's taking me an hour in the gym before I can train just to warm up my ankle and my, my hamstrings yeah. right, get them fired. I wasn't enjoying it and that's at the age of 32. But when I look back, that injury had a massive effect. To, to I don't know if you, you know what it's like to have no cartilage in any of your joint areas. It's nearly, it's like bone on bone every day. So I was getting out of bed and before the blood rushes to my ankle, it's stiff and I've got to warm it up, warm it up. And it takes its toll, man. And um, especially for me to score goals, to play football, um, I have to be enjoying it. And I've, I've finally got back to enjoying it because it's it's local. It's, you know, it's just less pressure. And 
I sort of do it on my own terms, really. I'm going to give you something you're going to enjoy now. Yeah. It's called The Rundown. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to rattle through some couple of questions, and there's something that's going to come up, I imagine, in there. So people will be waiting for it. We'll get to it. Um, who was the best player that you played with at Wolves? At Wolves? There was a lot of good players, to be fair. David Jones um, was good. Technically, I played with him at Manchester United and stuff like that. Um, but I'd have to say Kevin Foley. I'd have to say Kevin Foley. He goes under the radar, right? <laughs> He's only like, saying like, this because he knows Foles will be listening. No, no, no. No, genuinely, I have to say Foles. Like, he goes under the radar, but Foles, right, is, um, I think, was one of the, the best right-backs at that level um, at the time. And... In training, one and two touch, unbelievable. Rarely give the ball away. Was so composed at that time as well, where it wasn't necessarily the done thing at championship level to be that composed. Centre-halves were a bit more head it, kick it. Um, you had some that were more technical and would bring it out. But Foles was very composed and and rarely got exposed um, until he started you know, getting injuries and stuff like that. But he, Foles for me, and it's not because he's a mate and one. Like I'm going back to that time the best time I had at Wolves and I feel like Foles was, was right up there and sort of was yeah. understated really even though he, he did win player of the year but <laughs> you know he, he was though he was and he went about his business a certain way that I respected as well yeah okay. and um, yeah yeah Kevin Foley worst trainer at the club yeah <laughs> apart from me <laughs> um, <sighs> difficult question um, thinking back Maybe like harshly, maybe Dave Edwards, right? But Dave was quality, right? Wow, that's fast. Right? right? But but he was he wasn't the worst trainer, right? But he was he was a hundred miles an hour in training. And I remember we all used to say to him, Dave, just slow down, slow down. He <laughs> wasn't he wasn't the worst trainer in terms of like he's the worst trainer, he just don't care about training or yeah, just yeah. you know. Um but he was 100 miles an hour in training. He's the most and likely to he, kick you. Yeah, training. yeah. Or like he'd wrap the ball into you from five yards and then, you know. But he, he was he was, he was, was brilliant. And I, I say that. But Edo was also one of the best players I played with in terms of like his timing into the box scoring goals and his energy on the pitch and in games. But in training, he was just 100 miles an hour. And I just thought, slow it down, man, because... I like it all slow. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I love this question, and it may well just be the quickest, and you can just say the name, and we will move on. Uh, the biggest moaner. Carl Henry. Brilliant, thank you. Who <laughs> was your best friend at Wolves? Um, Carl Akimi, Foley, Wardy, Keo. Who had the best and who had the worst dress sense? The worst... Stephen Hunt by far. The best. There weren't many. <laughs> there weren't many. I can't remember. I can't remember really. Looms. Um, <laughs> the best. Look at him. Trying to remember the squad here now. There's got to be someone's gear that you thought. Huh? This is all right. Kites was alright to be fair. Kites, yeah, 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 Kites did. Yeah, a lot of work in. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, Kites. Who was the funniest player you played with? Um, funniest, funniest. Uh, I liked um, Foles. Foles is just witty humour. Um, Stacky was funny as well. Stacky was unbelievable. I spent a lot of time. Me and Stacky were good mates. 
And uh, I spent this a lot Graham of time. Stack, yeah, the yeah, Graham Stack. Stack sorry, lunatic. Yeah, Graham Stack. Sorry, yeah. Lunatic. Absolute <laughs> lunatic. And um, he was funny. He was funny. So between him and Foles, Foles was sort of different funny, but Stacky was funny. Is there anything that Graham Stack did that you can tell us? Um, probably not, no. That we wouldn't get this podcast <laughs> shut down for? Probably not. But um, I mean, I remember one time he turned up at a, um, I don't know if it was for Wolves or not, uh, a uh, Christmas do. And he was uh, waiting for us in Newcastle or one of those places, um, dressed as Amy Winehouse as we all got off the coach, smoking a cigarette. And we're all getting off the coach and Stacky's just waiting. I think he might have only just joined the club then as well or something like that. Uh, which is um, unbelievable. We had the skirt on, the little top, smoking a fag. Uh, big the beehive. Bonnet, yeah, big beehive. And uh, he was just, he was nuts, man. I spent a lot of time with him. Some crazy stories, but for offline. <laughs> um, this one might be quite easy as well. Best manager you worked for at Wolves? Uh, Mick McCarthy by far. Yeah, easy. Yeah. What was the best goal you scored for Wolves? I have to say the Charlton goal that was uh, on my birthday as well uh, it was an unbelievable goal um, but the first goal in that game I liked a lot because that was more me that's more what I would work on sort of touch shot quick shot um, and that's more realistic to what I would score more often yeah. but the the, 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 first, uh, the second goal in that game was just an instinctive moment that worked out perfectly and Everyone talks about it when they talk about me and Wolves. So it's, 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 it's like an iconic goal. Yeah, it is, yeah. And uh, it's, yeah, my favourite goal. Because yeah. it's the bit where the commentator says, like, what has he done? Yeah. Like, yeah. everybody was took by surprise by it. Certainly Paddy McCarthy was. Yeah, I was after. <laughs> it just it just all aligned. Um, and when I put it through his legs, it was the touch after that with my left foot that sort of set it up for me to then just smash it. That's all I did. I didn't try and pick out the, the top corner. I just literally head down, smashed it, and it's just rifled into the top corner, and it was just a great moment. Because Looms was on the pitch for Charlton that day. Yeah, I remember, yeah. Are you just like... So you, can that's do, that's, you can't do nothing about it, can you? You just have to, yeah, put yourself up. You're probably yeah. thinking, that's poor defending. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Help me! <laughs> got your toes there, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'd have been thinking. And then after I'd have gone, actually, that's a good goal. But at the time, I'd have been thinking, what? Um, what was the best game that you were involved in? Um... The Charlton game was an unbelievable game. Like it was on live on Sky, I think as well. It was an unbelievable um, uh, spectacle of a game. But um, I don't know. There was some. We we had some good games to be involved in. Like even Sheffield United away that you talked about. Like that Cardiff, was like Cardiff away. Cardiff away. Like they were some games that were like real tough games. Yeah. Real tough, ugly, horrible. Nighttime kickoff games that, like, if you're not up for it, you could get battered, you know, with people like Morgan as centre halves. And we went there and just won, and we won the way we wanted to win. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, QPR here was an unbelievable game. Um, yeah, there's a few, you know, out of those, those two, three. What uh, was your proudest moment at Wolves? Um, winning the championship. Winning the championship was definitely uh, the proudest moment. Um, staying in the Premier League was was, was good, um, but winning the championship definitely by far. It was just like, for all of us really, we all deserved it. I don't think there was a team in that league that deserved it more than us that year. Genuinely. Genuinely. 
we um, the way we went about it, the squad that we had. Um, I know Blues went up that year. They had a lot of sort of you know older professionals that played at the level and mm. stuff like that. But what we did was it was unprecedented. Really, no one really expected. They sort of went along for the ride. There was no expectation at the beginning of the season of this team can definitely win this league and blow everyone away. We sort they sort of went with it, you know. Yeah. And uh, it was a great journey for all of us. Now, as you know, Carl Henry always says that that team that you were both a part of doesn't get the credit it deserves compared to the 2003 team mm. and maybe now compared to the 2018 team. Yeah. What do you think? I've heard him say that, to be fair. Um, I don't. I, he obviously means by the media. Maybe media fans. Media, because any fan I speak to um, gives us loads of credit and thanks us for those moments and those memories. Every single fan I come across. Maybe we didn't have an open top bus, <laughs> did we? We didn't have a park parade. It kind of was like we got promoted, went home and went on holiday. That's what it felt like. <laughs> went to the Mount Maison for a bit of food. <laughs> it, you know, uh, so we didn't have all that spectacle and all that type of stuff. No, we didn't. But um, eventually we might get given a lot more credit for what we did. Um, but... I've not experienced that because the people that I run into on a daily basis or, you know, a weekly basis or whatever, they, they're, they're full of admiration for what we did and the memories that we left with them. And, you know, that's not going away anytime soon. The thing I've said to Carl is I think that um, bec maybe because of the way it turned out, because of the subsequent double back-to-back -back relegations and everything, mm. is, is maybe why it feels a little bit more sour than it otherwise would be. I don't know if I agree with that because um, the the team that got promoted via the playoffs came down the, sa the same season. Um, so I it's know the, it's, it's yeah, the it's, shorter bit of hurt that that was. Yeah, compared to what felt like a bigger instance to the club. Yeah, because there was a, there was almost like a, a, a two three year decline, I guess. Yeah from the team that you had from 2009, whereas that 2003 team declined straight away and then yeah, moved on. Yeah, sort of moved on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's difficult, it's difficult, but I sort of looked at it as the Mick McCarthy era, right? Obviously, there were still players at the football club past Mick McCarthy, but if I looked at it as the Mick McCarthy era of getting promoted and staying in the Premier League for three seasons, pretty much, that's a massive success for this football club at the time as well. Yeah. And um, and I think it laid the foundations for what this team's doing now. And this team will be in the Premier League for many years to come. So I think maybe eventually, you know, people will look at it a bit more favourably and forget. Not forget, because that was part of the, the journey, that double relegation. Would you have this team now if that didn't happen? You just don't know. But um, I prefer to focus more on the... On the on the on the that that five year six year tenor of the Mick McCarthy era, and that was successful, extremely successful. And um, my laptop is making noises because we turned the sound back on because we're watching a video of you with the most sour face ever, having been interviewed <laughs> after that QPR sour. game. It's ridiculous. Um, Focused. 
that was in our little bit of a break that we took between the main show and this last part of the podcast. And I'm only mentioning this as well because Mr. Wellamo is staring at me because he wants me to mention something that we've done quite a few times now on the podcast. Cristiano Ronaldo against Lionel Messi. And he only wants me to bring it up now because he's asked you the question and you came out with the answer that he wanted to hear. You sound quite happy about that. <laughs> yeah, I sound really salty about that. You don't do, I? very much so. But go on. That was it. You, you, you nailed it. Yeah, but here's re- got so your reasons. Well, Cristiano Ronaldo, first and foremost. <laughs> um, personally, for me, I, I got to see him at close quarters. And um, I just think as a, as a complete, I say complete player, complete player, person that I've been able to come into contact with and to see his work ethic, to see him talk about wanting to be the best player in the world and then taking himself to that level in terms of training, getting himself fitter, understanding and adapting to the English game, doing it on the international level. And um, it's just phenomenal for any young player to see at at close quarters a player just improve himself. And that's not taking anything away from Messi. Messi's fantastic. Messi's a natural talent. Like Messi's been Messi since he was nine years old Mm. and he's just lived up to all the expectations of the nine-year-old Messi. But Ronaldo was more like a talented player who could have who could have been a middle-of-the-road or a top player, but he's become world-class and it's an obsession of his. And um, I was lucky to see it at close quarters, to be fair. So they're my reasons. It's good reasons. I mean, obviously, you didn't get to see Messi at close quarters and maybe if you had it, it might have been different. Exactly, but I can only... <laughs> Is this going you asked me the question and I can only give you my opinion based on my experience. It's a good opinion. And it's a really good opinion. And there you go. You got it. <laughs> Live and direct. <laughs> listening to the old gold club powered by wolverhampton building supplies if you liked what you heard please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts